3: Welcome to Money Making Conversation. As you know, I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories. I say that all the time on this show. Stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. That's their story. You need to write your own story. Put time into yourself. And I always tell people to leave with their gifts, your passion, your drive, and don't let your age. So many times people are their age. They get 30, they hit 40, they start feeling they can't do anything. When they hit their 60s, they want to try to retire. Retire to what? Because the government is not going to take you and if you have friends who don't believe in your family or coworkers don't believe you you cannot let anybody stop you from planning or living your dreams that's why i bring interviews on my show money-making conversations celebrities ceos former athletes athletes entrepreneurs and industry decision makers my next guest is amari Stardemeyer, the six-time nba all-star is currently an assistant player development coach for the brooklyn nets and he's an entrepreneur Hear that? Entrepreneur. Amari is the first and only black kosher winemaker. Amari owns Stardomaier Farms, an organic family-run farm in Dutchess County, New York, which raises black angers. Amari wants to raise awareness about struggling black farmers and teach the next generation a 360-degree view of wellness, which includes not only exercise and food, but financial wellness and community service. Amari is also currently pursuing his master's degree in business from the University of Miami. That's the you, y'all. The you. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations. Happy to have him on the show, Amari Stoudemire. My man, thanks for having me. How you doing, sir? I'm feeling good, brother. Feeling good. No, you know, you know Amari, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm a big NBA fan, so I, I can I can see those uh, those lobs from Steve Nash to you and your slam dunking. And you was you was a, you were an incredible athlete in the NBA. And um, talk about that portion of feeling invincible. Being all world because you were all world. Talk about that whole part of your life, and then trans- transitioning out of the game. We want to talk about it as well. But just talk about when you're at the top of your game athletically.
4: You know what? When you're when you're playing the game at a high level, um, you put in so much work to to reach a level of expertise in your craft. I think for me, I was able to somewhat strive for for greatness in my in my field and mm-hmm. be able to try to reach my full potential. Mm-hmm. So when you're in that space, man, you feel like you're just in a different world. You're in a different stratosphere. Um, and so that energy alone kind of coexin with with you playing and succeeding at, at whatever you're doing. And for me, it was basketball. Right. Playing going to the, you know, conference finals, playing the Olympics, mm-hmm. you know, all star games and all NBA, all these were incredible accolades that I felt amazing uh during that stretch.
3: Now when you when you feel amazing, like you were saying, um, you know, do, do any point in that part does uh, you know? Because you kind of had your game when it wasn't social media. The social media is now so prevalent, and I'm sure you own social media now. But was social media made a difference in who Amari Stoudemire is? If he had it when he played?
4: Yeah, for sure. With me, when I played, I was I was one of the first guys to put together an All Star campaign, mm-hmm. like a mini like a mini TV show yes. trying to tell you it mm-hmm. goes over the you know uh, uh you know getting fans get out there to yes. vote right on mm-hmm. the vote initiatives uh so I was the first guy to kind of start that whole movement mm-hmm. and then I was also one of the first guys to have my own um, uh, uh youtube show yes you know so youtube channel I should mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. so back back in the early 2000s I started a youtube channel and I was I was just you know re- recruiting all this content even mm-hmm. back in the early 2000s, <laughs> right uh, before all the social media came out, so I was for sure ahead of the curve. And if I would have had social media back then, I would have took to, uh, full advantage of it.
3: You've been a beast. You've been a social media beast. Well liked, as they say. Well liked in the game. But you know the thing about it, man. When I, you, you're you're so articulate, you're so you're so you, you resonate at a high level of professionalism. And so there's so many um, stereotypes of the black athlete. How do you break that mold? How did you break that mold? Because, you know, even when you are successful, there's still going to be stereotypes. How do you go through dealing with that? Or do you deal with it at all? You know what? I think the idea has been able to,
4: to step outside of your box. Right. You know, I grew up in a small town in Florida, and I was also raised in New York. Mm-hmm. And so I was always in my community box. Um, and so for me, I was able to step outside the box and learn new things, uh, advance my conversation, uh, advance my thinking. And and so I think that helped me somewhat advance mentally, you know, and so educational wise, I was able to somewhat pursue education, continue reading and just trying to trying to improve myself over the years. Mm -hmm. I think that helped me somewhat, you know, iron out or straighten out my conversations and my way of thinking about business.
3: Right now, you're assistant. One of your one of your titles, because you're a Renaissance man. I I put up there after I mentioned everything. I see you're almost a reality show. You know, a camera should actually follow you around. You know, you got the <laughs> farm, you got the wine, you got the education, and you are also assistant player development coach for the Brooklyn Nets. Tell us exactly what that is.
4: Yeah. So right now, uh, it's my first year being a part of like a coaching staff. Right. Last year I played overseas in Israel won a championship there. I got the MVP last season, mm-hmm. and so I was looking to go back overseas and play another year. But uh, when I got the opportunity to coach with the Nets, uh, my role now is to 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 help develop players, mm-hmm. but at the same time learn from the front office and the coaching staff to see where I want my future to go, whether it's front office work or whether it's coaching.
3: Okay, cool. Now, okay, now the Brooklyn Nets, brother. Now mm-hmm. you you you. Now you were special when you played there, Amari. I ain't going to lie to you. Now you get to see three players I'm talking about, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. As a player, how would you guard them or what is their greatest asset as a player individually? I mean, you you can't really guard them. You've got them. <laughs> These guys
4: are special. These guys are special offensive players that you just cannot find a way to guard these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the strengths is Kevin Durant is a complete all-around player. Isn't I he, mean, though? 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. This guy is like 6'11". He plays like a guard. He shoots the ball with the best of them. He's for sure he's for sure one of the all-time great scorers that we've this game have ever seen. Uh, Kyrie Irving is a point guard that is so creative. Um, I mean, you can never, you could. I mean, I, I have never seen a guard that's this creative before. Far as the way he finished around the basket, uh, the way he gets a shot off, the way he approaches the game is, is is sensational. And then James Harden. But, look, before we get to player? James
3: Harden, let's let's stay on Kyrie because I was talking to Stephen A. Smith. He, you know, you know what he does with that ball, man. When he's dribbling it, I saw him do a move with Ty Gibson in the last game they played. Against the Knicks, I believe, and he went back and forward, back and forward, and he took him to the hole. And all the time, he was dribbling. I've never seen that in my life, Amari. Yeah, man.
4: He, I mean, he's incredible, man. Like I, like I watched him every day in practice. Right. I see these guys, you know, almost every game. And what I see every night is always all, every every game. I turn, you know, I have a moment in the game where I just like just shake my head, like <laughs> I see this. And I'm a guy who's seen it all. I've been around the world.
3: But uh, but Kyrie's a different. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a remarkable player. Now I played. I'm originally from Houston, Texas, so I got to see the trade of James Harden to Houston. Didn't know he was that great. He was a six man at the Oklahoma Thunder's, and uh, and then to have him come to Houston and suddenly blossom into a superstar. What makes him so unique in your eyes, as a former athlete and as a as a coach?
4: Well, James is also creative in his own way, mm-hmm. right? That's what makes these guys special. The creativity that one brings to the game, that the game have never seen to make you a special player, right? And so with James, his creativity, being able to draw fouls, being able to manipulate the defense, being able to take what the defense gives him. If you back off him, three-pointer. If not, he drives to the basket. He has to step back to the side, I mean, I mean, we saw we saw YouTube clips of him creating different type of shots. (laughs) It's like the creativity is something special. And for a guy like him to be now the the, the leading assist guy. Yes. After being after being the leading scorer the year prior, it shows you how great how great James really is.
3: And how he's not selfish. A lot of people thought there wouldn't be enough balls in uh, Brooklyn when he got traded over there. Now, let's, let's let's talk about you. In the transition of you, you you're currently pursuing a master's degree in business from the University of Miami. Why is that important to you?
4: Well, for me, I felt like you know when I was in the MBA, I had you know associates that did a lot of my finances for me. Mm-hmm. and my and my team did a remarkable job. But I felt like I want to be the one also knowing about all the intricate details mm-hmm. that's concerning the business. You know, on my side, right? Mm-hmm. So I have my hands involved in a lot of different businesses, and I want to be able to know. How to articulate my conversation? Ask the right questions right. Uh, with, with, with future, you know, partners or what have you, so that way I can conduct myself properly in meetings and so, and, and, and note and be more knowledgeable about mm-hmm. uh, things going forward.
3: You know, the, it's really, you know, you're in a, you're in a special era as for especially NBA players because NBA players are not. What they used to be, they, they, they're, they're leaders in the corporate space, they're leaders in entertainment. They're, what What is making like a NBA players so unique in how they approach the game, why they're playing as well. And also they're excellent because you can actually see you guys. You guys have a, we know you don't have a helmet on your face. I don't look at baseball because there's not enough blacks to make a difference. In baseball. At one time, they felt that too many blacks would ruin the game of basketball. And that's not the case. What is really making that transition for you guys so successful? Because you play the most games other than outside of baseball. So you're busy all the time. So how are you able to pursue a degree plan? And also, you still coaching. OK. And and but you also we're going to talk about the other two businesses, the winery and the, the Black Angus Farm in a minute, because you're still as busy as you were when you were playing. Right, 100%, 100%. And and so the ideal is being able
4: to put people in power and position of power to be able to articulate these businesses for you. Right. And oversee each individual entity, which is all which is very important, but you also have to be knowledgeable. You have to be up on your game to, to hold the people accountable that are in charge of these different businesses. Um, and so for me, while I think in my generation was myself, like this whole era right now, and I think the next generation is starting to, you know, figure it out as well. Mm-hmm. But it's me, LeBron, Carmelo, Chris Paul, you Damn. know, this era. Mm-hmm. I mean, it started with Kobe and Garnett and those guys, mm-hmm. but this is whole era of 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 guys and players that are, are thinking more so about intelligence mm-hmm. and also basketball, right? right so right. for it's always been like a narrative of like all oh, the basketball players or athletes are just dumb jocks. Like right. you know, only sports. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, that's not true. It's, that's, a, that's, that's a bad narrative. That's false. So what we're doing now is proving that by being uh, uh, somewhat educated on, on everything that we do and being innovative with our,
3: with our businesses. Now, here's an interesting thing, because I read this when I introduced you. You talked about financial wellness and community service because it was together. And I think they do run together. So because uh, throughout your career, I always knew about your community service. Now, what is that conversation that you're trying to create when it comes to financial wellness?
4: Well, financial wellness is important. I mean, obviously, we had a lot of systemic racism where a lot of the African-American culture have been somewhat behind the Mm -hmm. the paradigm when it comes to being able to to, uh, obtain wealth and pass that wealth down to the next generation. Um, And so we're somewhat behind schedule. We have to play the catch-up game uh, uh, for us now. And I think, um, you know, financial literacy and financial, you know, uh, wealth is important because we have to now understand how to, uh not only make the money but also save the money and then also invest. And those are those are those are intricate balances between knowing how to save, right. like, which means you have to somewhat disconnect yourself from certain parts of vanity because you don't want to get caught up in spending money that's not going to do you any good. You have to also know how to invest because investing would allow that money to then make money for itself. Um, and then you have to learn how to save. When you're saving you can now put put aside certain funds for your children. So when they become an adults they can have a head start on the, a head start in the financial space uh moving forward so you have to be able to have that financial literacy for sure.
3: Well you know the interesting thing when I, when I'm hearing you talk about your brand and your career first of all you know uh if you ever want to go back on TV uh Please call me Amara. You are a fantastic brother. I, I, you know uh, you know I don't know if you have a TV representative, but please call Rashawn McDonald because you you you're special brother. You, you I know I don't know what they paying you be or the or assistant player development coach, but you need to be on TV brother. Uh, your insights incredible, great smile. Let's see, I say I'll be breaking it down, man. You you, you know maybe you might know when to Google me a little bit. You you'll find out. when I tell you you're special, man. You go oh that brother does know what he's talking about. But when it, but but I had C.J. McCullough. And I'm gonna show it twice. Now, he has a wine line that's sold out as well. Now, you got in the wine business, but you know, but you're a black kosher winemaker. Please tell us the significance of that.
4: Well, being being the first, I don't think there's another black kosher winemaker out there in the world mm-hmm. today. Um, and so I wanted to somewhat change that narrative also as being able to now step into a kosher space, a space where where health is wealth, right? Um, yes. and so and so. You know, the winery out of out of Israel was important for me to get involved in because, you know, obviously having the biblical ties and knowing that throughout the whole biblical context, there's always been wine involved in the Bible. Right. So I yes. wanted to kind of connect back with that soil and create a juice that people here in America can drink and be a part of Israel. Like right? they can be a part of that biblical connotation. Um, so that's how it originally started. And then now I just released two more bottles that's made in California. Mm hmm. There's, there's a Cabernet Sauvignon that's 100% cab that's made in California. Hey, you know,
3: hey Amari, say that again. Cabernet Sauvignon. I got I to gotta articulate like you. How you say that, man? Just let it roll off your lip. Cabernet Sauvignon. what you say, brother? You need to stop, man. You're a smooth <laughs> operator, brother. Come, say, come on, come on, Amari. Say it one more time. what you say?
4: That's the, that's the Cabernet Sauvignon. <laughs> Cabernet, Cabernet Sauvignon is <laughs> from California, and I have a, I have a, a, a Petite Bordeaux that's also a rosé. Right. California,
3: right now. Why? You know, two years ago I was reading USA Today, and they was talking about NBA players and wine. Why it was such a popular uh, drink, and uh, NBA players walk around with little cases with wine in the little cases. They 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 travel with their wine. Why is that the case? Well, you know what? I think the NBA nowadays is 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 becoming a luxury brand.
4: Mm -hmm. A lot of the players that are in the NBA and have played in the NBA are you know, their brands are considered to be luxury brands. So wine is a part of that luxury connotation. So I think when a lot of the guys who like to go out and have dinner at, at you know, five-star restaurants, Michelin restaurants, they want to sit down and drink wine, they want to smoke cigars, they want to drink whiskey and chill, mm-hmm. relax, have a good fun night. Those are, those are the ideas that a lot of NBA guys are, are, are thinking. And so getting into that wine space mm-hmm. kind of you know, goes with their brand.
3: Right now, now let's go to another part of your entrepreneurial career. This—that's what I love about you. It's not like you—you're pigeonholed, okay? Now the you know, the my Farms, which is an organic family-run farm in Dutchess County, New York, that raises black Angus. Talk about how did that come about in your life, or who turned you on to the opportunity?
4: Well, you know what, man? I, you know it's funny. I, I grew up in a small town in Florida, which is like you know it's like a farm town kind of type deal. Mm-hmm. I also lived in New York for a while, right? Right. So. My grandfather was my grandfather Jack was a uh, was an entre- entrepreneur himself. He had like he fish in the morning. He had grapevines and peach trees in the backyard. He would have you know all these different agriculture uh, uh, elements in, you know at his home. And so mm-hmm. when I go when I go to my grandfather's house, I would see all this and I would see how he works and and till the soil. And so I, I was like, there's an opportunity that came along my way here in New York where a friend of mine were moving to Italy. Right, and they had this massive ranch out upstate New York, and they're like, "Hey, we, you know, we have this ranch, and we just, you know, really just trying to get rid of it." And so I was like, "Sure," you know. For me, my initial thought was having a nice getaway place for the family, mm-hmm. they can have a nice vacation mm-hmm. uh, and go out the log cabin, relax, light up, the, light up the fire pit. Um, but then I turned it into a working farm. Mm-hmm. And so I used about 185 acres of it, and I, I, I brought in some Black Angus. I brought a farm hand, and now and this is about seven
3: to ten years ago. So, uh, uh, are you on a horse, Amari? No, I have no horses. Okay, you're not riding a horse. You, how do you get out there and and, and corral the uh, the Angus? What, what do you do? You on a, a, a little moped? What you out there doing?
4: Yeah, I, I got the, I got I got the ATV. I
3: got the, <laughs> <laughs> ATV, you rolling, huh?
4: Yeah, man. So, so, so the farmhand actually, whenever, whenever you go on the farm, you have like a certain feed, right? And the cows they'll come to you, you know. So mm-hmm. they'll come right to you, and you can somewhat, you know, show them which way to go. And You fence them in, depending on which right, which part of the land you want them to graze, right? Because mm-hmm. you have some parts, some parts of the land needs to grow back, mm-hmm. and then you, so you take them to another part of the land, fence them in, let them graze that, right? And then you spread them out that way, uh, field by field. Uh, but it's an easy deal, man. You know, it, it's, 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 an easy deal. And it's fun because now there's a new, there's a new situation now with the American government that, that now are, are giving back to the black, black farmers. farmers. Yeah. Because before, um, um, you know, there was like, I think like 16% of the population were black farmers.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And now it's down to like 0.2% of, of the farmers that are black. And so mm-hmm. now, Government's going to reissue that and to try to enhance black farmers. So I was also ahead of that curve as well.
3: You know, Congressman uh, Lindsey Graham called it reparations. That's what he was calling that was in this deal, you know, funding for black farmers. You know, when you, when you are a man of many hats, what, and I, I won't use the word, what hat are you most proud of wearing now? But what allows you the ability to multitask?
4: Well, I think for me, everything I everything that I, I get myself involved in are passions that I love doing. Right. And then I also learn about it first. I learn about it and understand it first before I really get involved. Mm-hmm. Um and so it allows me to to do it naturally. You know, I feel like if you force something and you're not too sure about it, then it makes it it doesn't look as natural, it doesn't feel as clean, it doesn't feel as right, you know. Mm-hmm. So Everything that I do is based upon like my passions, what I enjoy doing, Mm -hmm. and how can I now uh, pass this down to the next generation
3: and and set the tone for, for them. So let's talk about that next generation uh, that you talk about of uh, uh, wellness and and then you talk about that, you know, so they won't struggle. You know, do you feel a responsibility? And I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I, hopefully, I'm just having a really good conversation with a successful person who has been successful in so many different levels as an athlete. Now, as an academic, because you got you get a master's degree, you got to have an undergraduate degree. You can't get you can't skip. To get that. So you've been successful at that level as well. You're an entrepreneur. You, you're willing to step on it. And the beauty of having land, I always my, my dad used to always say, God ain't making no more land. So when you buy the land, that's an investment that you should hold on to. So that's a smart move on your part right there. But when you talk about next generation, what is your responsibility, especially in wellness? Because in 2020, we discovered how a, a, a global pandemic can affect African-Americans. And we saw the George Floyd situation. What role did you feel you've had to play? and what role did you play from a pandemic side and from a civil unrest and trying to trying to get people to understand that we are and we should be represented properly as African Americans?
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think my ideal of it is being able to understand our heritage. Yes sir and I think that's key because I'm sure I'm sure there's governmental facts and, and paperwork that are in, in, the, in the files there. But a lot of the African Americans that were brought to America are from like the children of Israel. They're mm-hmm. from like, the Judean, that Judean region. Mm-hmm. So for us, for me, what I always try to connect the people with is being able for them to reconnect with the Bible, so they can understand their heritage, and then start to follow suit in that way. And and so that is imp- That's an important message for me to somewhat give to the children because. We have uh, our heritage only goes back to slavery, you know. At one point, like we we've been there's so many different titles of of, of heritage that we've been given, whether it's right. black, whether it's negro, whether it's African American, whether it's you know whatever these names are. But what's our heritage? And our heritage is the Bible. Our heritage, our heritage is is inside that history book. Mm-hmm. It's important for us to reconnect with that and to understand what that means, and do your own particular learning to figure that part
3: out. And then go from there. My oh, man. It, it's been a wonderful conversation, Amari. Man, uh, uh, you're special, brother. But of course, you know that. And I hope you understand that the gifts that you're giving to us as an entrepreneur, as a leader, as a, as a person who's, uh, understands the value of education, as a landowner, which is beautiful for black people to say that because we know that land has been stripped away from us illegally at times, uh, uh, from a scam way. And we not, and not being in the position to make money from the land that we buy. And you were smart enough sure. to see there was value in it, and having the black Angus farm and raising, uh, as they say, cattle. I'm assuming up there and, uh, and making money off of it. Continue to do what you do, man. I want, to, I want to thank you, brother, for coming on my show, Money Making Conversations. Absolutely, bro. Thanks for having me. It's
4: an amazing conversation, man. Let's do it again.
3: Yeah, man. I'm gonna tell you something, Mark. I'm not lying, man. You are gifted, brother. But you knew that already because you had a YouTube show. I used to watch it. And I was looking at. See, you, you, you created Chris Bosch. Chris Bosch followed you. With that little commercial right. he did. I right. Look at it, man. I, you are special, man. And I, I was happy to see you on Stephen a's, Stephen, a's, Stephen a's World, man, because, you know, a lot of times people, they have an image of you, uh, of anybody, especially from an athletic standpoint. And you're so smooth and you're so smart. Uh, don't stop, man. And uh, I, I, I will always let you know, man, I'm a fan of yours just as a man. Brother. And because you are doing some man stuff, brother. And don't stop. Okay. Appreciate it, bro. Thank you. All right.
0: We will be right back with more money-making conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. It's finally here, the season of celebration. And no matter how you celebrate with family and friends, whether you're preparing for Reyes Magos or Karamu, lighting the menorah, or going to Midnight Mass, Kohl's has just what you need to make those traditions special. Plus, you'll find gifts for all your loved ones. Send warm wishes with cozy fleeces, sweaters, loungewear, blankets, and throws. So, this season, give with all your heart with great gifts from Kohl's or Kohl's.com.
6: What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Their fearless guide to this fascinating world.
2: Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.
3: Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald, the host of Money Making Conversation. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award is a celebration of black men who are making a difference in our community by empowering others to reach their life goals. From civic leaders, businessmen, activists, celebrities, and everyday dads, the Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner this week is... Prentice Penny. He is a Peabody and Golden Globe award-winning writer, director, and producer who continues to change the game with his groundbreaking Netflix original film Uncork, where he is the writer and director and is the showrunner and executive producer of the hit HBO series Insecure.
1: I've been super blessed to like mostly had the same writers from, and so I think that brings like a level of you know
5: people being super like familiar with how we want to tell the stories and and the way to tell stories and what works and what doesn't work on our show, but still offering, you know, fresh new insight and fresh takes on it. Uh, and so uh, I think that, and obviously we have an amazing cast, it's, it just makes our job easier. The was-
3: Cafe Mocha Swag Award represents men who have strength, whose wisdom is assertive, and who is genuine in their spirit.
0: Welcome back to Money Making Conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald.
3: My interviews that I have on Money Making Conversations provide the consumer and business owner access to celebrities. That's who I'm about to interview next. He's an entrepreneur. He's a CEO. He's an industry decision maker. His name is Chris Lee. He's played many roles on TV. Actor, singer, dancer, vampire. Drug dealer, musician. <laughs> he is currently on the cast of the CW series Legacy. He don't know, but I, I watched that too. Currently airing uh season three. He's a vampire on that, you know <laughs> On the music side, his latest release is the new single Miss, available now. While Chris was in the college when was in college, he was casting the Broadway Hit Musical Hamilton. where he played two characters. We're gonna talk about that. How you swing between them two, Thomas Jefferson and all that stuff, for their Chicago production. After that, he shifted to television, appearing. On the empire, because you can sing. swap because he got physicality. And, re- and recurred where I really fell in love with him on the shot. He was the he was the coolest drug dealer since Stringer Bell. That's what I'm just telling you right now. And Stringer Bell is legendary from The Wire. Please welcome to money making conversation, talented young actor. I'm happy to have more money making conversation. Chris Lee, how you doing, Chris? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Had to set you up, Chris. Had to let you know, man, we're a fan. <laughs> that, that was a heck of an intro, bro. I appreciate
5: that. You gassing me. I appreciate
3: it. Bro. Well, let's let's talk about you, man, a little bit. Where are you, where you based at? Where you get started? Where, how did you get started in the in the in just the love of entertainment? Because we have so many people have these aspirations, but don't, don't know how to jump it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'm originally from
5: Georgia, right outside of Atlanta. I was born in Augusta. My mom moved out to uh, Atlanta, when I, I think I was about four, and uh, so that's that's where I grew up. in. I mean, you know, grew up in in, in a regular, you know, black household. You know, a single parent situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my mom, you know, instilled in me the ideals of uh, of, of Christianity. And and, and my, my entire life is is definitely rooted in a true relationship with Jesus Christ. So first, giving honor to Him, and, and mm-hmm. so thankful that I'm here to be able to uh, share with you guys and everything. But uh, yeah, man, so I went to, I actually went to a boarding school when I was about 14 years old. <laughs> right. And uh, just to kind of get out of the situation I was in and to kind of explore uh, more opportunities when it came to, you know, the, uh, the potential I, I feel my mom thought I had and um, my, my peers and my my educators thought I had. And so the, the school is called the Macaulay School located in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And it's a college prep school and they really just offer everything, you know, I, I mean, I remember the first time I toured the campus and, and you know, found that you could not only do the, the, you know, like basketball and football and soccer and baseball, but they had like water polo and and canoeing and, and, and crew like rowing. And so it was just seeing uh, stuff I had never known and being cultured in a way that, was, that could only be beneficial because, you know, the knowledge I would gain, I didn't know I could use it later. One of those things being theater. Right. And so make a long story short, I lost a bet and and, and, uh, had to audition for the play. And I I loved it. I I, I mean, I absolutely, you know, I I was so I wasn't really drawn to it. But once I was in it, I mean, the feeling that I had, it was kind of that, that space where you just know where you're supposed to be for the first time in your life. And I was, you know, 15 years old, I think 15, 16 years old. I just knew, oh, okay, I want to be on stage. I didn't even know what that would look like. I didn't think I could have a career doing it, you know what I mean, because I was ill-informed. And uh, just where I grew up, you didn't really hear about too many people trying to pursue acting for real. You know, I mean, it just kind of, you saw people on TV and that's what it was. Um, But thankful to God and thankful for my mom for encouraging me, seeing the gifts that I had. I was, you know, I come from a musical family. Everybody could sing. So it wasn't really impressive to me. That I could, I could, that I was musical at all. Because that's just that was normal in my household. You sing all the time, sing in church. It was kind of like not, more like a rite of passage. You know what I mean? You had right, to be kind of right. musical. You had to know how to worship and you had to know how to use that gift. And so, you know, I'm in high school and my mom, she sees me do a play and she's like, Well, you're really good, dude. You should you should think about going to college for it. And I was like, Oh, you could you could like major in this. She's like, Yeah, you can major in musical theater, acting, music, all that okay. I was like, what would I do? She said, you can go to Broadway. I was like, they get paid. She's like, Chris, they get paid. I was like, oh man, let's just do that. And that's really how it went down, bro. It really went down like that. Like I I auditioned at a bunch of schools, fell in love with Belmont University. And that's where I began my, my formal education on theater, where I had my first voice lessons, acting lessons, dancing lessons, and, um, kind of honed the, the, the talent I had into like real skill. And, uh, during that time, I think it was around 2015, uh, Hamilton came out and mm-hmm. I became obsessed with the soundtrack like everybody did because at the time you couldn't see it. You could just listen to it um, You know, via Spotify, iTunes. You could hear the plot and you could hear uh, everything the characters were going through and it was becoming this phenomenon. And I remember hearing it for the first time and saying like, I'm going to do that one day. I, right. didn't, I didn't think it'd be six months later. It ended right. up being six months later I was um, casting the role and opening in Chicago. Went to Chicago, started doing Hamilton. I played the roles of Lafayette uh, Marquita Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, which is an iconic today um, role originally performed by David Diggs, who's a good friend of mine now. And at the time, I was just blown away for, for the opportunity. So I was just a sponge. I was on stage with Broadway stars, Tony Award winners, Tony nominees, like taking that in. And, and to me, at the, at, I remember at that point feeling like, okay, this, this is it. Like, this is as big as it's going to get. Like, this is, I've reached the pinnacle. Like, I'm going to just sit here and enjoy it. And immediately... You know, after having done it, I felt this, you know, this kind of um, unsatisfactory feeling like this thing, like, oh, wait, there must be more. Yes. I've, I've accomplished one thing. Maybe there's more to accomplish. Maybe there isn't a line. Maybe there isn't like a ceiling. You know what I mean? Maybe I can, you know, do some TV, like see, you know, grow up watching A. Murphy and Martin Lawrence and Will Smith and Denzel, these black actors. Have such a wide range and do comedy and do music and play roles that you know were more serious and heart throbs and you know more dramatic and dangerous and action packed and superhero stuff. Maybe maybe <laughs> I can do all that kind of stuff. And so I took a shot. I left Hamilton in twenty. I think January twenty or uh, I guess it was June twenty eighteen and just moved to L.A. with no job. Just took what little money I had had uh, acquired um, doing Hamilton and right. went out there. Got a spot. Auditioned for a show called Legacies. A week and a half later, I was cast. Not even. No, it was. I think it was about five days. I was cast. and was told I got to come back to Atlanta because we shoot in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and I've been here ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, in between that time, I got the the pleasure because I was doing Hamilton in Chicago. I got the pleasure of doing shows like Empire that shoots there and, and other shows. And, and um, the shy was was definitely the one that kind of gave me the bug. The shy was the one where, uh, luckily, you know Lena Waithe and Adam Glass. I mean, shout out to everybody who was you know, helping me out over there. Um, I got, I, I, they let me fly. Like they let me take a character that they wrote for me.
3: Oh, it was beautiful, they, a beautiful character, man. I'll just oh, I I, let
5: you know. Yeah, I appreciate, I think he's great. You know, I remember auditioning for a role and I can't, I, I think it might've been, um, uh, I think the character's name is Meldrick. and he's this weird older dude, you know what I'm saying? With a trap house. And I remember they said, "Yeah, you're not the right age, the right look. Like we're not really looking at you for that, but you're really talented. So we'll see if anything comes up." Uh-huh. Next day, I get a call saying, "Like, hey, we want to write a role for you. We want you in the show. So we're gonna write this role. <laughs> That's why you see him show up in the third episode and eventually have a, you know, make his appearances here and there. Right, and right, right. But I remember by the time we got to the fifth episode, which is the block party, the big one where he, uh, Brandon, is spending the whole day with his cousin Hannibal. Um, it was just, it was one of those those weeks." when we shot it and I was like, they really let me play. Like they really let me come up with who I think this guy is in conjunction with who they, what the the, the spirit of what they want the character to have. And they let me, I mean, go off script and, and just kind of well, the
3: beauty of it. The yeah. beauty of it, Chris was that, you know, like, like I said, you know, you're a drug dealer. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 and so, but you were able to make him likable. You were able to make him, like man, I like that dude. He was a first of all. You want to make everybody understand. You are no stupid guy. Okay, this is a right, business right. decision. You know, you're just making business because guess what? And I love that spin on it because you can going like, okay, look here, hold up, hold up, hold up. Especially when you open that little cool shop. Well, you always <laughs> had to have a, you know, a, a, a membership to get in, <laughs> you know, and, and, but what but I, I want to talk about that character, because the brilliance, because you're brilliant, man. I'm, I'm just going to let you know it, because I had the pleasure of being a lot, a lot. I know still today work around a lot of talented people and that little acting step, the ability to be able to connect the dots. You're able to pull it off. We were talking about the whole scenario of you being a drug dealer. OK, which is what your tendency to be the, the most like and despised character in the black community because you feel like you you, you want to bring the community down. But you were yeah. important that you say, hey, man, look here, I'm smart. OK, you come to me, I make decisions, I make things happen, even to the point where you set up that little that little uh, underground little place where you had to almost had a membership to be able to get yeah. there to get the right drugs. And so my whole thing is that that's stepping beyond what they put on paper. What natural right. instinct is leading you in that direction? Because you're brilliant, young know, man. I, I it was a person that's like you I wanted yeah. to bring on the show because you step into another level. And I was just gonna throw it out there. We're talking on that Denzel Washington level, you know what I'm saying? And and and, that, and that's a beautiful thing, but he can't sing though. So you got that blessing, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so so talk about really trusting yourself, walking through that 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 next wall.
5: Yeah, man, it it really is. I think it's all about what your desire is. You know what I mean? A lot of people value um, different things. Uh, I find that when people have the pursuit of entertainment, a lot of times they they see the glamorous part of it. Right. Like they see the money you can make, the fame you can gain, Instagram followers, TikTok streams, all that kind of stuff. Like you see, you know, what it what it what you could gain from it and i think that i just kind of i don't i don't know why i just never had that in me it was really more about the art like I, I love acting i love singing i love writing i love performing i love telling stories in completely different vehicles and so i'm i'm not really concerned i never was really concerned about getting the job or or, or making the money or, or what i'm a, the level i'll be at and i think that's what it is i think the trick is to the level should be personal, right? If you're trying to, uh, you know, reach the, the next pinnacle of whatever it is you do, let you, you be the pioneer of that journey. You know what I mean? Don't let it be uh, some kind of outside standard informing what like what move you should make. Right. Like the, if that's if, if like money follows excellence. Right. So you walk in anything in excellence and in the heart, like crazy work ethic, and, um, and you keep, uh, you, there's this reality check that you keep in yourself saying, I'm in the right place, doing the right thing. And you consistently better yourself in that regard. You never have to worry about what it looks like to everybody else. You know, oh, what do I make this look like? Oh, you know, yada, yada, yada. And so it, it really comes down to what is, what is your true goal? What is your true passion? If it is being an excellent actor, it shouldn't be about the Oscar. It should be about being an excellent actor. If you get the Oscar, cool. That's that like, that's what's up and no shade to any kind of wars, but like the the goal shouldn't be to to, to get a thing rather than to be a thing. And so when it comes to that role, like the shy, I was given an opportunity to do something that hadn't been done in some regard. And so that was what was important to me. So I I studied, you know, when it came to him, he, the guy has multiple streams of of, of revenue, him being likable is beautiful the fact that he's a drug dealer, but it's because him being a drug dealer was only a means for him to uh, broaden the scope of his revenue income. It wasn't like he was trying to push on anybody. You know, you need to sell weed because you know, uh, you know, you need to be a bad person. It's like, no, nah, we're in a situation as black people in Chicago, where we're limited. There's only so many things that people are checking for us to do. And so I found a way to take that thing that is bad or evil or whatever, and turn it into a positive, turn it into something I can build on, employ people, keep myself and, and eventually, you know, what's going to happen. It's going to be legal anyway.
3: Yes, so, like, what yes, we talking yes, about? You know? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. No, no, it, it's, it's, it's special, man. When I see you, I see you as directing one day, and um, and I, I'm pretty sure you, because the creative side of you. Here's a g- great thing about it. I got to go back to your mom, you know, because you, you know, as kids, she didn't, you know, you know, a lot of people say they see entertainment, they see sports, they go, my kid can't do that. Your mom go. Your mom said Broadway, and like, like, she wasn't thinking small with you. She said Broadway. Right. So right. talk about your mom, man. Because yeah, man. She, my mom, she's beautiful, I, mean, my mom man. Is, I
5: mean, I'll get too emotional if I get too deep, but I can, I can definitely say that my mom is is the reason that I mean anything good in me came from her. But, yeah. You know, anything bad in me, that was what I learned from her because because there's just not an mm-hmm. evil bone in her body. And the and the encouragement was specific because I I want to I want to make myself clear. I don't think, you know, my mom is a big believer in, um, she doesn't like the saying, follow your heart, right? She doesn't like that. The idea that if you want to do something, that's the thing you should do. She believes that God gave us, gave us specific gifts. There's something that makes people individuals, right? Like, you know, that I can't do what you can do, what he can do, what she can do. We all are different for a specific reason. Find what it is that is your gift, and then think big with that, right? If I would have gone to her and said, I want to be a, a ballerina by, mm-hmm. and I'm 14 years old, never taken a class, you know, never, you know, stretched a day in my life, never done any kind of dancing, that would be kind of out of pocket, right? right. That would be kind of like, well, that may not be your gift. You have not shown any interest in it. You don't really seem like you have the talent or the the discipline to, to live that lifestyle. What you do, however, show is that, you know, you you have a very creative Mind and you can translate that very well physically in your voice, in your acting, in your writing, etc. So why don't we see if you know we we can go in that lane? And I want you to think big. I want you to think what's the best thing you can do. (laughs) Make that the goal and do all you can do to get to that place. It's never and there is no plan B. There's no second option. There's no like if this doesn't work out, I should go here. It's like no, you said you were gonna do this. Do what you can to make that happen or die trying. You know what I'm saying, and that—that is the top of the That thing
3: is something that's practical for you. But you say, "Chris," though you said you said no plan B, but your plan A, acting, your plan A, singing, your plan A, dancing, your plan A, being a musician. That's a hell of a plan A, brother. That wasn't a plan A in one thing. That's what she saw. She was telling you, "Look, you're all my child, but this is what I see." That's why I say for you, you can't say. There was no plan B because your plan A was stacked. Stacked. Yeah, I think I think it, it just
5: kills the narrative that your career has to be singular that there's a one thing you do a one thing you're good at right I yeah. believe wholeheartedly that and, and, and this is why we have different kinds of friends and we meet people in different areas of life and they are they that we have a relationship with them that is very specific to how we've met them it's because people are multifaceted who are we to limit anybody who who, who am I to tell you Oh no, I'll stick to that and don't ever think about doing that I, I, why would why would I do that and and who has interest in that like You know, the the beautiful thing, man, is that you can have multiple plan A's for sure, but it's because you're a multiple planned person. Like, you're a multiple... Uh, a multifaceted human being. So there shouldn't just be one thing that you're good at. You know what I mean? Some, I mean, when I think about some of my favorite actors that also have these hobbies of like making shoes or designing clothes, <laughs> right, I mean, right. you look at the, the icons when you look at the Kanye's, your Jay-Z's, you know, your Leah. Like you think of people who we they started out as something that they were excellent at. And today we know them and kids know them. To the kids that are coming up know them for completely different things. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I remember going up with Jamie Foxx being on In Living Color right. and having the Jamie Foxx show. Mm-hmm. Today, He's an Oscar award-winning, Grammy award-winning like household name. That's mm-hmm. not the same thing. And mm-hmm. it's because of his multi um way of going about life. Wayne Brady, another example. I remember him from the show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Mm-hmm. And like, okay, that's show talent. You can improv. Man, I've seen that man, he's Grammy nominated, been in multiple <laughs> acting world roles from all stretches of the imagination. Right. And it, can, it has his own multiple businesses. You know what I'm saying? It's a household name. Right. So for me, it's about, if, 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 if one human being can do that who's to say that all human beings can't do that so i'm an i'm an encourager to young people i'm an encourager to people to older people to anyone in their journey it, it's all about that it's all about what they say success happens when preparation meets opportunity if you're prepared for multiple things and opportunities for multiple things come up you will succeed in those things right but you have to have the preparation you have to Have done the work and have the discipline and and, and really hone the work ethic to get this thing that you do. You know, there's a book called Outliers I Love, and it talks about 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours doing any one thing makes you an expert in that thing. How how many of us have actually spent 10,000 hours a week and count, you know, honing a specific skill? You know what I mean? You spend 10,000 hours here, 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 and here. You know, you take two hours a day and do the three things that you love. Eventually, you get to the point where you're going to master those three things simultaneously. And so I think it's just a different way of, of disciplining yourself and really believe in a big part of it, bro. Big part of it is that belief, right? That Got that it. faith aspect that I that I hold so dear is that there's nothing you could tell me I couldn't do if I say I want to do it. And, and, and I that believe that. And that's a, that I think that's a choice people really have to make in their lives is, you know, how much am I going to let? the practicality of my situation or my circumstance define what I'm really going to do? How much of it can it just be me saying I'm going to do it and really die and try it. You know what I'm saying? Cause I'm Mm -hmm. really willing to go there. I'm really willing to die broken, hungry, chasing the thing that I know I was purposed to do.
3: Wow. Uh, When you say the word uh, imagination. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to bring imagination when we're talking about the third season of legacies, Uh because you better have an imagination when you're dealing with vampires werewolves yeah, you know, warlocks yeah. uh demons okay yeah. now that's the stretch of your imagination you had an opportunity yeah. so you see you, you're in la you audition for it. it's the third mm-hmm. season you play the character caleb then the other brother on the show his name is mg you know they uh-huh. can say they're y'all family in a sense you know he's a yeah. vampire so talk about that whole because, you know, I, I watch you on the show. It's like, you know, it's all because, because I've been around acting so much, you know, you can almost see a, 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 a moment in your head where you have to imagine. This is I got to act like this real, but I know it ain't real. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I mean, especially
5: when you get into those scenes where you're just acting at a green screen. Right. Like, you know, nothing <laughs> there. You know what I mean? Monsters supposed <laughs> but there ain't nothing there. <laughs> right. Uh, you know what I mean? But, but that, I mean, the big reason, like, if not the number one reason I accepted the role when it was offered was because it was something completely left field, different yes. than anything I ever thought of you know mm-hmm. and it takes uh, I, I think personally it takes a very committed actor mm-hmm. to do a good job in a supernatural world you know mm-hmm. because you're dealing with things that absolutely aren't real <laughs> that just that cannot be proven they're not we don't like we're not talking about just you know oh my girlfriend breaking up with me and I slept with her best friend and so now that's the story of the movie. <laughs> you know what I mean if I can get her back <laughs> that's something that can happen in real life but a dragon appearing out of the air, breathing fire and me, you know, <laughs> taking my fangs and biting some girl's <laughs> neck off. Like that that doesn't happen. So imagination is key. And in, 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 in to be able to live in a world where you truly have to, you have to believe in the moment as the actor that the character really believes this thing and is really living in this world that's the whole gig like that's the whole And in order for the show to work everyone has to be that committed to that thing and it's the same thing with superheroes it's any any you know superman movie justice league marvel movie mm-hmm. those actors the reason they're so successful is because we look at that world and we believe it we believe yep we, Iron Man is gonna win because he's, right. he's Iron Man. He's right you know what I'm saying? The Hulk <laughs> is gonna get mad and turn green because that's what happens in this world. We're not thinking about, oh, this is make believe. That there's no fun in that. There's like we're not watching it to pick it apart and say, oh, this is a make believe world. Now we're in it because it has convinced us in our imagination that it's a world that could exist, that does exist. And so that's the fun part of it. I think imagination is key, and it's the it's so fun. like that's the. That's the fun part. I could, I mean I, I could play some kid from Atlanta mm-hmm. that's black with dreads that, you know, is musical. I, I could I could do what I am, but to 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 portray something that I'm just not.
3: To, to, that I mean that's the, That's the acting part You know what I mean Right But right. you know the, the, the beauty of it Is that uh, When I'm watching the, the, These different levels You know Whether it's Swat, Empire sh- a Shy You know The Hamilton experience And now There's legacies I'm, I'm looking at you I'm going Okay the, He's unstoppable You know I, I, My purpose Of bringing you on the show Was just let you know You're unstoppable Just to, And I didn't know That you already had That that queen Pushing you call your mom You know Then she'd let you Know you was unstoppable, so I'm just adding fuel. You know what I'm saying? If you're on man. fire, I'm just putting more wood on the fire, putting more gas man. on that fire because you're special, man. And I, but Thank before we leave, I just want to talk about you know one at one scene. You know you 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 was rapping. I said, "This brother, this brother." You know, and I can tell you, ad-lib, man. I'm telling, I've been looking at these. I love the I love looking at talented people, man. I just sit back, my wife go, "Boy, you just." I said, "I said I'm gonna interview this young man." I said, "Look at him," I said, and and then. And so you have, so music is important. You got a single I call Miss, You yeah. a new album, 1000, you know, yeah. so talk about the, the single, cause I want to make sure, you know, we don't play music on our show, but I want to talk about why music is a passion. Why is it important to release this single and your upcoming CD?
5: Absolutely. So yeah, first of all, Miss is out streaming on all platforms. You can get on Spotify, Apple music, wh- wherever you listen to music is there. <laughs> um, Miss by Chris Lee. Uh That song was fun, man. It was the, it was it was one of those beautiful moments that I wrote a song um, that I did not plan on writing or necessarily being good at. I put no effort into it. I was just having fun, and it, I, I was show every friend I showed was like, "Oh yeah, this is the one you need to drop like now." Mm-hmm. And so uh, my partner and I got it together and we released it. And um, yeah, man, I, I, I mean, the whole music is I, I, it is truly a part of like the fabric of my being like it I could not escape it if I wanted to like I said my whole family's musical my mom is the musician of the family she's the singer she has the voice um she is I mean I, she has the anointing on her that is just undeniable and it, you know and my grandmother grandfather my my father his his mother my entire family it can sing <laughs> they, they, they're musical so again I came from a household that it wasn't really like I just didn't think about it being something that you show off to make money, like something that you use to, to really like, you know, in a, in a career, because it was just it was like it was like drinking water. It was just the way it was. I, as a kid, thought everybody could sing because my family could sing. I thought the whole world knows how to sing. It took a while for me to realize, oh, some people really don't have the same you know ability, uh, the same talent. But yeah, man, it's just a part of who I am. And so I, I, I've always sang and then, you know, I always wrote songs and I, I never really thought that I could really do it as I didn't know if I wanted to be a music artist per se. Um, and I had been in a group in college, you know, two of my friends uh, and I would, we would perform shows and we had a, a fun run. And then when I got Hamilton, I, like I said, there was a spark when I got there. Like, you know, after I had performed the first night, I realized, oh man, I really can do, I can do anything I want to do, like right. anything. Mm-hmm. so why not try to like make music and so i released the ep uh entitled in my feelings that's available everywhere too and it was my first thing and i did it by myself with with my friend uh, we wrote and produced everything by ourselves and just dropped it just to see the effect and i had gained fans from hamilton and fans from the shy so i would tour to different cities and do little shows you know where about 200 people 300 people could come out and they would come out and they loved the music so i was like oh maybe i need to like really kick it in gear and do this for real. At the same time, I'm booking legacies and my TV career is kind of taking off and Mm -hmm. taking a lot of my time. So it's been like a balance of like doing trying to like, you know, do my due diligence with my music and do my due diligence. Uh, in my acting career, so it's it's a it's a it's a fun ping pong that goes back and forth. Um, but music is definitely a huge passion of mine, and I'm, I'm big on writing. You know, I'm doing did a writing session, a couple writing sessions this past week for some cool artists that are going to drop some cool music. Um, I've been in the studio with you know legends, in it, and it's been so fun to absorb. So I consider myself in the beginning stages of putting my music out there. So Miss is is a single that is starting a new era of the sound that you will. You you will gain from me going forward um, so please listen to it y'all <laughs> uh, definitely enjoy it send me comments feedback hit me yeah. on Instagram DMs yeah. all that kind of stuff um, let me know how y'all are vibing to the
3: music and I'm going to continue to release more um, uh, and just, uh, just share with you what 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 it is that I love to do well, I, I want to thank you, you know, uh, we, we, we did a journey in this interview. We talked about the Hamilton experience playing two roles, talked about being a, a Georgia boy, you know, yes, talking sir. about a mom who believed <laughs> you in your boarding school, uh, Talked about going from Empire, SWAT, you know, the shy, where I fell in love <laughs> with your, your abilities, brother, your abilities. And now you're in the legacies, which is on the CW in the third season playing the cal- character Caleb Harkins. Like I said. Yeah. You had you said Plan B wasn't an option. I go back to what I say. Your Plan A, Chris Lee, is stacked actor, (laughs) singer, dancer, musician. I'm tell you how even more stacked it is. In the beginning, I say I have celebrity. You got that? I say I have CEOs, King of Game Music. Okay, okay. I say I have entrepreneur, King of Game Music. Okay, industry decision maker. You're a beast, boy. You're a beast. You, Don't this change, is man. Don't so encourage encouraging, man. I appreciate you, and I love what you're doing. I love
5: the encouragement you've given to black people, to all people, man. And, and and, and you know, as, as confident as I am, I my- am and I'm sure a lot of performers are, it always feels good to to, to be reaffirmed over and over again. We have to build each other up, man, especially during this time during pandemics. um, Mm -hmm. We're coming off of a lot of huge racial tension and people Mm -hmm. dying. It is important for us to be able to boost each other and continue to share our gifts. So I appreciate you and your time. Thank (laughs) you for having me on the show. It's my honor.
3: All right, man. Thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation.
6: At ADP, we work with more than 860,000 companies worldwide.
1: Don't sweat the small stuff. Just nail the big stuff. Like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size.
6: Learn more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat.
3: Visit NHTSA.gov
6: slash the right seat. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
3: My next guest is an industry decision maker. His name is Anton Bowens. Over 15 years in the music industry as a record executive, Rockefeller Records, uh, Sony Loud Records, Universal Motown Records, Couch Records as regional and national director of promotions, He left the music industry. Right there is key because a lot of you out there are sitting in positions where you want to transition. You want to move, but fear stops you. So in 2009, he started he decided to start the Brand Architects, which is a form that specializes in pro athlete uh, individual brand development. I know a lot about brand. I've been fortunate to work with a lot of high profile talent and branding is a word that's thrown around a lot. I remember when I started in two thousand with Steve Harvey and I brought up the idea of branding to him in two thousand two. Did nobody know what I was talking about? But I worked at IBM and I always felt that if a company can have standards and, and brands and and can stay there. An individual. Why can the individual have those same standards? Well, that's what he does with pro athlete brand development. Please welcome to money making conversation. He's down in PGC, y'all. That's in that DC area. That's Anton Barnes. <laughs> How you doing, Anton?
2: <laughs> hey, I'm great today. Or so. How you doing? I appreciate you. How's
3: the, the weather? You know, we are we're in the springtime. You know, it's kind of <laughs> like starting. It's 35 when I wake up. 65 when I when I walk out of my office. How's it down there in the, in the PGC?
2: Pretty much the same. You know, today. Well, yesterday was in the 30s. Tomorrow's supposed to be almost 72. So, I'm saying? you know, it's that time of the year. It's <laughs> time for the
3: grass, to the turn green. The, the beauty of because, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I know of you. Uh, uh, we've talked before is that you have the ability to communicate. Is that you feel that's that's one of your true gifts, your ability to be relatable, your ability to communicate with people?
2: I concur I concur um my one thing I'm a firm believer in is also transparency you know Mm -hmm. I was born in New Jersey so I'm very frank with people you Mm -hmm. know I think there's too many uh how can I say um too many people being misled and and misinformed I was always taught you know I'd rather you be mad and be I grew up during the age of constructive criticism right you know and you know listen we all make mistakes we all we don't know everything and the only way you learn is by listening and by making mistakes and you know being honest with anyone because i want that i want the same treatment to me you know don't Mm -hmm. beat me around the bush don't feed me no bs Mm -hmm. tell me the truth Mm because then that's the only way you can make you can fix things or advance or learn yourself
3: in in the process of learning now you know, you have educational learning, you have learning in the streets and you have learning in life, you know. So what uh, lay out those three paths that were that have helped you The from the educational standpoint, the streets and then
2: life. Well, I uh, my father was a very successful uh, black business owner in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, thank God I was blessed to see it beforehand. born and raised in Jersey City, you know, came from very humble beginnings in the projects. My father. Mm -hmm. Uh, went on to become a councilman in in Jersey city in the eighties, actually initiated the, uh, the Jersey city redevelopment project, which is now you see Newport downtown Newport city. So my father was very uh, involved in the community in regards to politics, but also business, you know, he owned business stores, he owned car dealerships. So I was able to see what hard work, but then also I saw with him, How, you know, also the difference being a black man, what he had to deal with, Mm -hmm. but he never let it stop him. And he really used it as motivation. But one thing I also saw was his connect with the community. Right. He always gave back and took care of the community and vice versa back in those days. Now, unfortunately, he passed away uh, when I graduated high school. So I had to really take lessons that I saw his mistakes and his advancements and use it to myself. And then I attended Morgan State University, HBCU proud. (laughs) <laughs> Bears in Baltimore So I uh, went there And that's kind of that's where I found myself As a man, but also What I wanted to do in the industry I wanted to sell cars right. I did not want to be in the music industry I'm going mm-hmm. to be honest with you mm-hmm. You know, It was by chance um, Me and a, a group of friends of, of mine We used to throw parties and concerts And upon a, a, a chance meeting With Jay-Z We had Jay-Z I, I'm one of the rare people that I could say I had Jay-Z perform for me for free we had Jay-Z perform for us for free for a Faith Evans' album release party in the Baltimore Grand. This may have been 1994, 95. Mm-hmm. And uh, upon meeting Jay-Z and the Rockefeller crew, we had them perform. They offered me a position at Rockefeller Records that I couldn't turn down. And that kind of was my, you know, my opportunity. You know, you being an individual like yourself, you know, opportunities come. You got to be able to go with it. Don't be, like you said, fearful or scared of opportunities because sometimes that may take you on a path that you never even intended on that could take you to bigger dreams that you really initially didn't plan. On. And you said that
3: because you said, Rashawn, look, I'm, I'm a, first of all, if I go to you, you selling cars and now you just music and now, you know, managing <laughs> and branding athlete. Let's talk about HBCUs. Yes. And uh, then in, in 2020, during the pandemic, somehow white America, discovered HBCUs, especially corporate America. They decided to start donating. Uh, There's a good and bad to that because of the fact that it means that, you know, this is not something new in the black community. What HBCUs was founded, due to racism because you can see that they're basically in the southeast part of the country as it rolls up the eastern corridor because of racist admission practices and prevented black people from trying to pursue next level education but you went to morgan state which is right outside of baltimore area talk about your hbcu experience and then seeing what's happened in 2020 and moving forward like the all-star game three million dollars were donated from the all-star game to hbcus uh, uh athletes who went to pwis as uh predominantly white institutions are uh, now focusing their attention on hbcus you got to be proud but you also got to be you know what's going on
2: yes i'm glad you brought that up um i was coming out of high school i was actually a highly recruited football player i actually uh was I had every intentions on playing at Clemson University. I had a scholarship mm-hmm. and uh, highly highly recruited. But going back, I lost my father mm-hmm. uh, literally a month upon graduating. So I actually wanted to take some time for myself. I w- mentally just couldn't do it. And mm-hmm. I asked for some time to leave Clemson and basically get my mind right. I was mourning the death of my father. Mm-hmm. And I saw how they treated me differently.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: See what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. they were like, hmm, well... You you're committed, you know, use it as motivation to hit hard on the football field, etc. <laughs> right, so right, they didn't right. care about my emotional well-being right. mm-hmm. and it rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So that's when I decided to go to an HBCU. Now, I always had interested because I grew up watching school days in a different world mm-hmm. and I was always intrigued. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, wow. So I went to Morgan State, went for a visit and fell in love. And it was the best decision me personally that I ever made because I was able to be around like-minded individuals but that had other interests. Like I was around friends that wanted to be engineers, chemists, mm-hmm. uh, you know, other business professions. Whereas at a PWI, most of the black faces that I saw were just athletes. Mm-hmm. They weren't uh trying they didn't have any interest in other professions. So it was a it was a very interesting and great developmental stage for myself because I was able to find out who I was. As a man, not just an athlete, and we'll kind of get into that later on what why I started the brand Architects, mm-hmm. but it's like it was I went through that personal experience in regards to developing as a man and being at a historically black black university, and this was in the '90s. Like you said, you know, I go to Morgan now. It's like I'm in awe. I'm like, wow, they put all this money. Like the campus looks nothing like me <laughs> right, right, right. But right. you know, the experience was definitely mind-boggling. And like you said, now all of a sudden everybody sees the I call them the hidden gems mm-hmm. of our society, the HBCUs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm proud. I'm glad now people are finally giving them the credit that they deserve because they also need that the support, you know, they, that they haven't been getting for so long.
3: That's really it's interesting that you say uh, you can see a campus change. And when you went to I know I, I graduated at PWI, which was a uh, uh, University of Houston. Uh, Cougars and he, uh, yep. E3 uh, Slamma Jamma Clyde Drexler and uh the Dream and, uh, uh, they, they lost the championship I still don't have the ring so <laughs> I, I could not pay myself hey, can still uh, about it. Uh, I, I can brag I, I say I went there but I couldn't put a ring on my finger man the way they lost uh, that 83 championship right. man. It Brother, was so you take credit for it i take credit for it i tell you those my boys though but when you but you're absolutely right I remember when I was at the University of Houston there's was about 35,000 students on campus It was probably about 2,000 black people But it looked like it was a ton of us but Until yeah. you actually went to, uh, went to And found out how many it really was of us But it tends to be that the case of Where if you go to uh, uh, HBCU Everybody on there are representative of who you are And who you can be And it feels like a, a much more communal format But again, when you see the NBA And you uh do what they did on Sunday. You know, the, the HB, the court was HBCU. You see yeah. the donations they make, you know, how, how inspiring. I, I'm just saying, man, you know, I didn't go there. But wow.
2: I have to say wow. When I see that. It's unique for someone. And, and I'm going to be honest with you there. 30 years upon leaving Morgan State. There are people we still like I tell everyone when you go to a PWI, mm-hmm. you don't know a homecoming until you go to an HBCU. Homecoming. Yes, yes, yes. OK, yes, 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 yes. It's, tol- it's a totally different experience. <laughs> yeah. And I have friends that went to PWIs and when they they come to our homecomings, they're in awe. Right. They're like, wow, I should have came to an HBCU. Right. And, right. <laughs> and I'm glad you brought that up, too. We There's not just that family love, but we also still do business together. Mm-hmm. See, that's mm-hmm. critical. Mm-hmm. That's critical. Like, I get my advice. From black doctors that graduated from Morgan. Mm-hmm. I know, I know black judges that mm-hmm. went to Morgan. Mm-hmm. Like, if I need that, that is unique and I cherish it because I could talk to people that could relate to me as a black man, but also make that connection on a professional level. You see what I'm saying? Right. Where mm-hmm. I could like, okay, you know, everybody's talking about the vaccine. Now, like, okay, should I take it or not? I have four professional black doctors that i could call to that i went to morgan state with right and they're gonna give me the straight up honest answer yes you know take it. i've known them for 30 years <laughs> and yeah. we do we, i got an individual that i'm doing with he's a secret service agent mm-hmm. and i'm actually consulting him now because he wants to do something about mental health and mm-hmm. we're gonna to talk about that later especially in the black community yes so it's like you know it's not just a family it's a family but it's also business unification i call it as well too
3: absolutely i'm, I'm gonna let you know i cheated though Anton because see I went to the University of Houston and I could yep. walk down to Texas Southern University alright and then I could drive 45 minutes to Prairie View A&M so I cheated Anton I cheated now this I was going to lie to you I cheated I know those homecomings but <laughs> <laughs> some, we don't, listen good thing they didn't have social media back then right <laughs> absolutely I cheated I'm just going to let you know he said Richard what you talking about yeah brother I walked right down to Texas Southern <laughs> University and drove 45 minutes up to Prairie View Panthers, the hey, Tigers and man. the Panthers.
2: They probably thought you went there.
3: Absolutely, <laughs> the Tigers and the Panthers had this cougar right here locked up.
2: <laughs> so, so you got a taste of it then. Absolutely. So you, so you know totally. what I'm talking about. That's
3: why I got to tell you, I cheated. I cheated, Anton. I cheated.
2: Well, let's talk hey, about you a little that, bit more. We live in a capitalistic state. There's a lot of cheating going absolutely. on. There. But anyway, I won't
3: go absolutely. Let's talk about the brand architect. You know the, the reason behind it. You're an African American man. You're a black man. You know uh, we live in a society where black athletes have a short window and they make can make a lot of money. And we heard the horror stories about black athletes spending more money and walking away broke, not understanding how or why they, they, they do with their money. I don't know if I hear that story as much now, Anton, but you know, one time it was pretty bad. So talk about why you started the Brand Architects.
2: Well, I started the Brand Architects back in... Uh 2009 while i was in the music industry i would meet these athletes of right. course you know because we would always have these concerts and parties and in the club so we would always meet and i had an interesting conversation with vernon davis vernon mm-hmm. davis was actually the first nfl player i started working with and he would always tell me how he was interested in other things like right. he was like anton there's other things i want to do besides being known as a football player mm-hmm. um and he was like how do i go about that and I, at the time I was kind of brushing off. I'm like, Vernon, I got too many artists. I gotta, right. you know, I don't have time for this. But then I started doing research. Mm-hmm. And but let's I let's started- tell
3: everybody who Vernon was. Now he was the number six pick in the draft. You know, University of Maryland, tight end, San Francisco 49. The sad part about that, I know all that. And then you <laughs> I didn't know you were gonna bring up his name. That's the sad part about this conversation. So yeah. let everybody know it wasn't just a low-level guy talking to you. This was had one of the best I mean, physically built bodies in the NFL. Was
2: was him. I was on tour with Nelly and Cash Money, so I was like, whatever. But <laughs> what, Vernon, yeah, you cool. Like, what? you know, I was like, dude, like, I don't get awestruck, and I tell them straight up, like, I tell them, just, I'm not a fan. Like, right. you know, I'm. I've been on tour with Prince. I've been on, I've been around, Brian McKnight's been to my house. Like I'm like, okay, I don't get into all that. It's Mm -hmm. about the person, you Mm -hmm. know, that's what matters to me. Right. And when I started doing the research, I saw a a lot of similarities between artists and athletes Mm -hmm. and how the record label pretty much sucks the artist dry, runs them like literally one week you're relevant the next week you're not. And I started seeing that and I sat back and I did the research and athletes and i met i met an athlete i won't say his name he's a hall of famer Mm -hmm. and i met him at super bowl event and i mean when i saw what he was going through in regards to mental health Mm -hmm. financial Mm -hmm. uh just identity crisis Mm -hmm. in regards to and he had a conversation we had a very in-depth conversation he said anton there's so many things i would have done differently while i was still playing than now and Mm -hmm. see and that's the thing why i started the brand architects i was like okay you know what these young men, like we said, they come from, they go, they're, they're instantaneous. They get money like out of nowhere. I mean, a lot of them come from nothing. So they're instantaneous. They're instantly, I'm sorry, put into a situation where they got all this money, mm-hmm. but also they have a lot of relevancy. It's like, okay, now people know your name. Like you said, you know, Vernon Davis, he ran the 43840, mm-hmm. you know, he was the fastest tight end. Mm-hmm. But what else do we know about Vernon Davis? Mm-hmm. Nothing. We just mm-hmm. know the athlete side. Right. And see, you're not going to be an athlete your whole career. Let's right. be honest here. That's a short period of time. Vernon was in the league for uh, 11 years. That's a rarity. Mm-hmm. You're lucky to get five years in the NFL now. Let's be honest here, especially now. Now it's three to five years. Right. So what are you going to do with this platform to make a transition? That's the, been the issue, Rashawn, is a lot of guys, they they get, I call it the trap. And this is where I'm going to get real deep. Okay. A lot of them depend on their agents to, uh, I guess you could say, take care or run things for them. That's the number one. That's the number one mistake that they make. I'm going to just be honest with you. Your agent should only negotiate your contracts between you and the teams. They shouldn't have anything to do with your marketing, your branding, because first off, okay, most agents don't even care about what you want to do. It could be painting. It could be pottery like Vernon was into painting. And now he wasn't a Picasso. But since it was Vernon Davis and San Francisco loved him so much, we did art exhibits. You know, we did fashion stuff. We did, you know, home decor. Vernon was not known as being the Renaissance man as he is now. Okay, Emmanuel Acho was one of our first clients. Emmanuel was about to host The Bachelor. Mm -hmm. Now, Emmanuel wasn't even a starter on his team when he was with the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm -hmm. But we had a conversation. He wanted to get into sports analysts. He wanted to be an analyst. So he would on Tuesdays, he would catch a train from Philly to New York and intern at NBC, ABC for free, learning the industry that he did not know. See, if you're just a football player, I tell the the most important advice I tell any potential pro athlete, have someone when you when you make it. okay, have a team or someone on your payroll does that does not care about football or does not care about basketball. They care about, OK, what you're going to do when you're done playing, because you have to do it while you're in the league. That's when you have relevancy. That's when the opportunities are going to be there for you. Not when you're not when it's over. See, a lot of them the mistake that they make, a lot of them get trapped into they get convinced into waiting. Oh, don't worry about that until you're done playing. Well, you don't know when you're done playing. It takes one weekend that you get hit and it's over. And now, even with the salary cap structure, okay you could be making a league minimum the team doesn't even want to pay you because you you're a league minimal now you' you get aged out a lot of players get aged out that you don't hear about mm-hmm. and then that on, that will onset to mental issues too because now all these people have around them they're gone including their agent right and, and a lot of them think they that they they um they work for their no the agent works for you he's not your boss let's be honest that's the number one thing a lot of these guys the worst thing that I hear a lot of these athletes say oh let me talk like, ask my agent why why you have to talk? no you need to tell your agent this is what i'm going to do i'm going to hire an outside marketing branding firm that's going to focus on my lifestyle branding my image not my football image two totally different things
3: and exactly right, because like I said, you know, these agencies that you sign with, whether they're, I know them all, you know, WMR, CAA, you know, uh, UTA, and they've all developed little sports divisions. And so what they don't do is day to day. They're not there with you. They won't talk to you three or four times a day, What you have to do if you Thank want somebody that know your brand, know your interests, know your good days and your bad days. Not somebody who shows up at game time, high fives you, pointing at you from the stand. That's not a person that's going to carry you to the next level. And that's the part that they, they make the mistake on because they allow these people to make financial decisions and career decisions for them. They're like you said, one bad moment. And let's take the salary cap this year with the NFL. It has, this is a billion dollar industry. And guess what? The cap, was reduced, which means the cap, instead of going up, it was reduced, which is crazy. All right. So that means that athletes are being cut right now, not because they're, they don't have the ability to play in the NFL It's because a billion dollar industry has made a decision that they need to reduce the salary cap, which means that players are being cut right now and will take less money for the 2021-22 season because of the salary cap. This is this is what you're talking about, the business side.
2: And that's what yeah. you try to protect your athletes and your friends. Yes, Moving forward. Yes, because I take it personal. You know, it's a sob story. Like you know, half of our roster, Rashawn, are retired guys. Mm-hmm. They've been out the league three, four, or five years. Mm-hmm. That shows the value on what we do. Because once we, once I sign a client, I tell them, first off, first off, I don't care about football, and NFL. I don't. I don't. Mm-hmm. Even, I haven't been to a game in five years. Mm-hmm. I don't need to go. I'll be honest with you. I know I have a guy. I have a guy in the Super Bowl. I don't need to go for that. I, my job and my team's job is to keep you relevant. Monday through Friday. OK, you know, let's get you in the room. You got these fans cheering for you on Sunday. Let's make you relevant. Let's make sure you're in the room with them on Tuesday. Right. Let's utilize your base to create to increase your personal value. OK, see, there's a difference. And even now with the league, let's be honest, the league is all about their brand. You have the brand, the NFL brand and you have the team and their brand. The more value you put on your individual brand, the actual more value it creates for your agent. Because guess what? It's like I tell people you have LeBron fans. You don't have Laker fans. Wherever LeBron goes, his fan base is going with Tom Brady scenario. Yes. These are, you know, these are big time examples. But it's like if you create your own individual brand, it follows you while you're in the league. But guess what? Most importantly, when you're done with the league. But you, you, you have to utilize the platform now. You have to.
3: It, the interesting part about it, because we're on the same page, because we're we, we talking about media now. We, we're seeing brands that really, uh, in some ways, are bigger than the football teams. OK, yeah. especially from a football perspective, we're seeing it being challenged now by by uh, by uh, uh, Dwayne Watson and uh, Houston Texans and also Russell Wilson up in Seattle Seahawks and you know, you get that little racism type statement uh, where they should keep their mouth shut. Huh? Okay. It'll keep your mouth shut. Who are who, who we talking about here? You know, and, and usually the person who's saying that was the most vocal person in sports, but now they want to tell athletes who happen to be color of color, they should keep their mouth shut with social media. And we see how athletes are now becoming more and more engaged in Entertainment, entertainment productions. How do you tell your athletes that you that are still playing and your athletes who are transitioning post-athletics, how do you evolve them with the social media growth part, partition of the partition of the brand as well as the entertainment
2: side of it? Well, social media nowadays is literally your resume. Okay? Yes, it is. Let's just be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. When, so, when someone brings up your name, first thing they're gonna do is Google you. OK, and a lot of times what comes up if you don't have a Wikipedia page is your Instagram, your yeah. Facebook, your website. But then also what follows. And I'm glad you brought that up, Rasan. What other co- what other categories will come up? What interviews that you con- have you conducted? Like if you're just doing, OK, ESPN or CBS Sports or and you're just talking about sports. Right. Guess what? You're just relevant in the sports arena. So you're just relevant to Nike, Adidas. Et cetera, et cetera. You're not relevant to lifestyle brands. okay? Mm -hmm. like let's just say hypothetically, if a client's interested in fashion, Rodney McLeod's one of our clients. He's very into fashion. So we set him up with doing interviews with fashion magazines, Mm -hmm. talking about fashion, not talking about how many passes he intercepted or how many tackles he had. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? It's about expanding your knowledge while also gaining your knowledge and expanding your relevancy in in the other industry. Because now you're in the NFL. People want to talk to you. They're interested in what you want to say. And to be honest with you, a lot of the times media, you'll get a better interview out of an athlete. If you're talking about things, that's not just athletes like athletes get tired of talking about how many tackles they had. And how many and then they're like, well, that was a sorry interview. Well, you're talking about something that they to them. This is their job. Right. And that's what I tell them, too. I'm like, listen, okay, you're in a unique position. Isn't there something else that you like to do? Football after a while isn't fun to them. It's a job. So it's like, okay, let's start invest. Let's you need to invest in cars or, you know, house building, whatever <laughs> yes. your other interests are, because that's the American dream, right? To get paid doing what you like to do, you're in a unique position that the typical 25, 24-year-old young male isn't. So you have this door. That door is that door is cracked open for you where we gotta pick the lock and work through it and try to figure out a way. That door's cracked open for you. What are you gonna do with it? Because if you wait until you're done playing, guess what? It's shut. You mm-hmm. got that took your spot has that. Chance.
3: Well, you, we were talking about, I'm talking to Anton Barnes, you know, the, the founder of the Brand Architect. And you brought up something I definitely want to talk about before we leave the air, the mental health part of yeah. it. Because athletes, uh, they seem invincible. They seem that they're your heroes. But we don't see the the, the the when they're off the main stage or when they retire, they land in bed and afraid to get out or can't get out due to some ailment or due to some head injury. Let's talk about that, which is not often discussed. You know, there was a settlement several years ago, and it's kind of been brushed aside, but we know that problem still exists out there. So let's talk about the mental health side of being a professional athlete.
2: The mental health side is very very it's it's brushed under the the league doesn't really want that to get as much shine as it deserves mm-hmm. you know let's be honest here, and then especially amongst our black athletes, we all know in the you know the black community is a stigma that we're already fighting through, you know back in the day, you know suck it up or you know is <laughs> right, you, know, right. you know it's a sign of weakness mm-hmm. looking for help but especially in 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 uh pro athletes, people don't realize especially in the nFL the pressures that these young men go through, okay. It's such a physical sport. And then it's also, too, availability means if you're not available, you're more than likely going to get cut. And the team is not not going to pick you up. You don't know how many times these guys have gone. I see the comments that these people make, and they don't realize what. When I talk to these guys on Monday, it's like they went through a car crash. Literally, it's, it's been proven that their body has been through a car crash. You got these ultimate athletes that, can't, that can barely walk. OK, so you got the physical aspect. But then, Rasan, the most important thing is the mental aspect. They don't have anyone that they can really talk to. Okay, they can't. You know, it's the you know, it's it's not it's not machismo. It's not man enough to talk about whatever you're going through mentally. And then by the time it comes out, it's too late. You know how many pro athletes have committed suicide and right. killed themselves? Mm-hmm. And people think, oh, it's all financially based. No, it's not that. And then it's also part, like I said, of that transition stage that we focus on. You go from being the man one day to no one calling you. Torrey Smith actually put a tweet out the other day saying the same thing. You know, he's like, listen, you know, one day you're the man. Everybody's calling you. Everybody's available. The next day, nobody's answering your call. Your agent won't even, even your agent. Most of their the biggest problems. OK, having pe- all those people that were around you when you were scoring touchdowns and ducking the basketball, they're gone. Right. And you don't have anything to transition to. You have no self-value. And that's what we try to instill in our guys. You have to have self-value in you as a person, not just an athlete.
3: I tell you, this has been an incredible interview in 2009. He left the record business and decided to bet on himself. And, and founded the the brand architect. And now not only is he changing lives, but he's also improving lives, and especially in the African-American black athlete area arena, not only for himself, but also letting people, you know, you think they had head coaching problems in all these pro leagues. Management and agency is worse. It's worse, and, uh, and and gentlemen like Anton are very important in breaking down those walls. And I, I want to thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation, Mister Barnes.
6: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, man. I appreciate having
2: you having me on. And hey, listen, anytime you know, anytime hey, you hey, call me, I'm telling
3: you, so, I'm telling you, Anton, so, hey, going to be because I, man, I'm telling you, so, we could have. It's like. 30 minutes. We've been talking. We and need more time. We yeah, you know need a part two Because we had not even talked a, about the PTC yet. You know, that was part of the stuff off air. We said we we're going to talk about PTC. And yes. so, the whole experience. <laughs> and so, know that we're going to get back on the line real quick here. Probably around draft time. A little bit after that. Come back okay. on the show. And I, I consider your friend, my brother. He has like some barbershops in the D.C. area. So, you know, the COVID died down. I'm going to be back out there often like I was previously. And we're going to connect. But uh, importantly, most importantly, I just wanted to share your story about the brand architect, who you are, and uh, and 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 how you are changing the game. And I appreciate you.
2: I appreciate it. And hey, <laughs> listen, I'm trying to keep up with it. You're a trailblazer yourself, so it's always a privilege to be on here with you. <laughs>
3: Thank you. If you want to hear more Money Making Conversations interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I am Rashawn McDonald. I am your host.
0: We will be right back with more Money Making Conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald.
3: Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald, the host of Money Making Conversation. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award is a celebration of black men who are making a difference in our community by empowering others to reach their life goals. From civic leaders, businessmen, activists, celebrities and everyday dads, the Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner this week is... Q Parker, a Grammy Award-winning member of the Group 112. The Q Parker Legacy Foundation has a mission of using family engagement and social empowerment to strengthen families throughout the city of Atlanta to generate stronger communities. The Q Parker Legacy Foundation was established uh, five years ago, and so everything that you see about Q Parker, it really comes from my story. Because of
5: me going through those trials, I saw how it affected every aspect of my family. When I decided that I wanted to give back and I understood that my life was about serving and that was the way I was going to repay all the many blessings that I've been able to receive, I wanted to serve.
3: The Cafe Mocha Swag Award represents men who have strength, whose wisdom is assertive, and who is genuine in their spirit.
6: Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure in pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world.
2: Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the
0: Ad Council. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour.
3: If you could find a way.
0: To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in
5: my shoes.
3: Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in in my my shoes. shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We
1: can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad
6: Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination. Our sense of wonder. And our family bonds grow, too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to Money Making Conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald.
3: My next guest is a successful person who's made the transition athlete to entrepreneur. You hear so many horror stories about athletes, not Lawrence Sidbury Jr., a former 2009 fourth-round draft pick of the Atlanta Falcons. He graduated from Richmond University in Richmond, Virginia, and was part of that famed 2008 national championship team. Lawrence is on—I think that team was undefeated, too. Lawrence is on the show today to discuss the importance of preparing for life after the NFL. Please welcome to Money-Making Conversations, Lawrence Sidbury Jr. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing
1: pretty good. Thanks for
3: having me. Now, now, now Lawrence, that team that you own, the 2008 National Championship team, that team
1: was undefeated, right? Uh, did they have any losses? Uh, not quite. We actually had a pretty trying season getting to the championship game. We mm-hmm. won a bunch of games in the beginning of the season and we hit a rough patch and we lost like three or four games in a row. We were kind of at a point where, you know, we actually called a players only meeting and we just we had to, you know, galvanize everybody and we had to win Every game, you know, to the end of the season, pretty much every game was like a playoff game. And we just, you know, we pulled it out game at the game at the game, got into the playoffs and won each game. Finally, we won. Uh, we beat uh, Montana and uh, Chattanooga. That's where the championship game was at that point. Mm-hmm. And that brought the first first championship home in uh, school history. Right. Now, I hear that a lot in sports. The team only
3: meeting, players only meeting. I'm assuming this is a players only meeting, right? What, Absolutely. Without you know giving away names, I'm asking for names. What is the purpose of a players only meeting, and uh, and why, what what was accomplished out of that players only meeting that you guys did that led to the run for the national championship in 2008?
1: You know, sometimes you know you get to a point where a coach's voice can go stale. They, they, they coaching that they coaching you every day. They They're telling you what you're doing wrong every day. Mm-hmm. You know, when you got a group of guys. At some point, everyone has to hold each other accountable. It's really to the point where the coaches don't even matter because we we truly playing for each other, right? And um, you know, I, I wasn't really, the, I'm not really the vocal leader. I'm kind of a lead by action type person, but I mm-hmm. was kind of vocal at that point. Plus, and I had some aspirations after the season, so I kind of needed everybody. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I need. I, I wanted to win, but I kind of needed to happen to, to keep going. So I could get you know get more film out there for scouts to see. But right, right. Um, we you know we brought it together, you know kind of looked at each other and man to man and we just you know we just banded together and decided you know we had a bigger mission that we wanted you know something we wanted to accomplish man we got it done so that's absolutely true
3: because you know for a fact if winning the national championship 2008 versus not winning it is a difference between being a fourth round draft pick or maybe a seventh round draft pick or being an undrafted free agent correct
1: Especially, especially at the level at which I played, um, mm-hmm. you know, we played at uh, FCS level, which is back then was called the one AA level. So mm-hmm. we kind of we had to prove ourselves. You mm-hmm. know, there's a there's a question about level of competition. Can right. you play against guys from, you know from the bigger schools? So you want to get as much film and as much tape out there as possible, mm-hmm. and not only for myself. You know, us making that run, you know, gave other people on the team opportunities you know, to get seen, and we had guys that signed as free agents uh, that played a few years in the league as well. So. It just was. A, it was big for everybody.
3: Now that, that's now I'm just talking about college. In 2008, winning the national championship is Richmond University. I'm talking Lawrence Sidbury Jr. Fourth round draft pick back then in 2009. So preparing for the draft. How did you prepare for the draft? And then when you got drafted, how did that change your life financially?
1: Um, uh, he got me going way back machine. So come on now. For the preparing for the draft was like. It was a whirlwind for me because, you know, in college, we actually played 16 games mm-hmm. uh, with the regular season and the playoffs. Um, then there was, I went, I played in two all-star games. so I played in the Shrine game and also played in the Senior Bowl. And I went, I did all that. And I went to New Jersey at Parisi Speed School uh, where I trained for the Combine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I went to the Combine and I ran the fastest 40 out of all the defensive ends there. I really was kind of tired. My body never really got a rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, this pro day workouts, was like what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. So it's that whole gamut of things that had to be done before April. Then once you get drafted, you know, yeah, I got drafted in the fourth round. Uh, it was a considerable sign of bonus. Then you no, kind of no, no, wake Lawrence, up one day no, so, you wake so, up. So, so you, you, you know, wake, I see it on you TV. Wake up, you wake up one day and right. don't have any money. You wake up the next day, you do have some money. So it's, it does change.
3: Now, Lawrence, so, so I, I, you know, you have the first round.
1: So did you have an idea through your agent what round you may go? Uh, I thought that it was a chance that I would go in the second, uh, okay. but we were predicting anywhere between kind of two to five. And it happened to be the Falcons in the fourth round pick okay. one twenty-five. 25. Okay, cool.
3: So you sitting around, and, and, and I'm just going through the emotion because what happens is people in life have so many emotions. They have certain dreams. And when they don't, like you said, you thinking about the second, but now second pass, third pass, where were you at emotionally? And then the people around you, where were they at emotionally? Prior
1: to this election, um, you know, I didn't really have too many people there. Mm-hmm. Actually, what I did the first day because I thought it was a chance that we'll go in the second round. I actually had coaches throughout my, you know, my life that was influential to me. Right. Uh, they sat with me the first day, knowing there might be a chance that my name get called at, mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that kind of out of appreciation, man, because I had a lot of people help me along the way. Right. And I didn't, I didn't know how to properly do that with my family, so I broke it up in two days. So they sat with me the first night. I was a little dejected at first. Then the second day came. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't have many people at the house. Uh, And then once my name got called, people started coming over and the cookout started. (laughs) (laughs) Because I know because this is going to air as
3: we're leading up to the fame NFL draft. So I wanted to I'm asking you some questions to understand that mindset. And so people can understand that mindset because, you know, they, they fly in the first round draft picks. You know, they get to walk on stage, but really the, 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 the workhorses of this league is the people who are not the first round draft picks, the undrafted draft picks. And so you drafted, you come on a team and Atlanta Falcons in the city of Atlanta, you still stay in the city of Atlanta, I'm assuming, correct? Right. Atlanta brought you in and you have not left. This is where you do your business. So what what were the positives other than just having a plan for the Atlanta Falcons? And what did they do to help you transition out of the NFL playing for the Atlanta
1: Falcons? You know, I started working on my transition uh while I was still active. So right. the uh the players association, the league, they have you know they have a bunch of programs that guys can take advantage of in the offseason. They got business management, entrepreneurship programs. You guys can go back and get their degrees. Right. Um, there's right. internships and externships that you can do. So I tried to stay active um, as much as possible each offseason. So even if I, you know, traveled, worked out, had fun, always made sure I did something to enrich myself. So I, I did two business management uh, programs, one at Warden Business School at UPenn mm-hmm. and one at Kellogg Business School at, at Northwestern. I did wow. those. I did two uh, internships. Um one with Under Armour and one at Events D.C., in Washington, D.C., and then uh, prior to to the conclusion of my career, I actually started my MBA uh, while I was still playing at the University of Indiana online and finished it as soon as I got done. So Mm -hmm. I just did a pretty good job of taking advantage of the resources that were there so that my transition would be a little bit easier. So I wouldn't get to the end and be like, okay, I'm done. Now what do I do? Because there's always that startup period. Well, there's always that period. I'm sorry. We just have to kind of figure it out. So Right. Why not try to get it figured out a little bit early so you're not caught behind the eight ball once those checks stop.
3: But so many get caught behind the eight ball. So many don't see the end coming. Is it? Is it? Is this just youth? Because you've seen there, figured it out. You know, you played and you realize that hey, there is a stopping point to this. Let me take this money and not spend it on everything or every good party or every good uh, car or every good house. You want those things. What was it? Was it role models on the team or just, you know, your, your, your parenting background? that allowed you to be able to uh, support these ideas and see things a lot clearer than the average person
1: your age. Um, I, I, I had a combination of all of that. Um, mm-hmm. I did have you know both my parents were there, uh, which is, you know, today's world, unfortunately, not as common. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they did teach me a lot, kept me grounded. Uh, I did develop relationships within the locker room, with, you know, guys, you know, that were a little bit smarter, you know, vets that, you know, were mm-hmm. kind of moving, you know, outside of football, but not not really doing too much because you don't want to be seen as someone who just not focused on your craft. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, there's there's gonna be a him. There's only one player that's playing well into his forties right now, and that's Tom Brady. Everyone else is you know, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna retire. The game's gonna be done with you before you're done with it. Right. Um but there's also to your point, there's a, the guys are getting a lot smarter you know you're seeing guys kind of walking away early Yes, they don't want to they don't want to damage their bodies as much mm-hmm. yeah, this guy's taking advantage of some of these programs mm-hmm. um, probably not as much you know as when they get done but there are guys who focus on you know what's going on after they understand the business like the right. business of the league is right. they're telling you about it every day on TV guys right. losing their jobs because of contract situations or right? cap room not necessarily because of their talent because of the business so you got to respect that as a business and you got to handle your business
3: Right now, you you grew up. Your career grew up in the era of social media. Uh, you know, you know. I, I I know when I was managing Steve Harvey, uh, when social media, we we had like a big old fan club about a million people. We didn't even give a hoot about social media because we had fan club members. Now you did. I'm sure you use social media as a player, and now you as a as a businessman. You're a businessman. How do you use social media to grow your business or promote your business?
1: Um, I'm still uh, still trying to figure that out uh, mm-hmm. because I'm in the transportation transportation industry. Mm-hmm. So there's really not much social media needed, and I, and I'm saying that because I'm, I'm young in this game. I'm less than a year in, so I really haven't quite found out how I can really leverage uh, my social media page um, to my business. Unless I move into the consulting area, which I am starting to do. Um, but I will say I didn't take advantage of social media as much as I should as a player, because I've always been like a private person. I kind of didn't want to just do too much. But now that I'm done, I wish I would have done it a little, <laughs> little bit more while I was still playing. And stop, left with a million, left with a million. Yeah, right? I, yeah I, I wish I would have used it. I wish I would have used a little bit more while I was playing to you know grow my following. But right. uh, but um. You know, let's we all talk about. Regressed. Let's talk all, about. right? But it's, it's not. It's not hurting me. My performance, my performance in my company is kind of helping it grow. Yeah. Uh, but I wish I would have been a lot more active to grow that follow while I was still playing.
3: Now, now, first of all, this is not a negative conversation. But you know, all, all my life I dealt with talent like you. You know, marketing, brand, and 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 talk to them about who they are. Let's talk about you. Now, it's not about your business, Lawrence. It's about you. OK, you know, the, and that, that's what this conversation is about. This is about the money making conversation is that your social media post really is translates into what you're doing with your foundation and with your businesses yes. and the, the employees and how you're growing. And so that's the story that you want to tell on your social media. That's the story I want to hear about your success story, what you're doing and changing the community. That's what your point of view, because you are a brand. And so that's what I did with Steve Harvey. You know, I I, I had the brand conversation because I used to work for IBM. So I knew about a corporate philosophy and I felt that why can't an individual have that same standards? And so a lot of people throw the word brand out. I I know where it came from because I started using probably before anybody. So when I look at you and you say, well, Rashawn, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, I don't know about promoting my company. I'm not asking you to promote your company. I'm talking about you. And we talk about you, your company going to get promoted and all your brands and all your tentacles of success will get promoted. So as we go through this conversation today and you hang up, I want you to hang up and step off the call and go, you know what he's saying? He's saying it's all about me. It's not about my foundation over there. It's not about my, my trucking business. It's about me. So if I focus is about me, then guess what? Everything makes sense. And that's what I'm asking you to do when it comes to your social media, because you could have left with social media followers from football, but guess what? That have been football social media followers. You are a businessman, and I'm asking you as a businessman to understand how much value you're bringing to the table as a brand. Does that make sense? You got it. Cool. Now let's talk about these companies I've been talking about. Do we want to go to
1: the foundation
3: conversation first, or the, or the trucking business first? Which one do you want to do?
1: Whichever one you want to let's, 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 let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the. Uh... Foundation.
3: That's actually the one I'm most proud of. That well, I'm, I'm gonna tell you something, Lawrence. I'm proud of everything you do. You made the transition. Cause here, look, look, can, I, can I talk to you a minute? See, you've done a lot of mature things in your life, and also you understand how you got here. And so you 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 self-educated yourself. You could have you could have just not self-educate yourself, but you say, hey, I want to take advantage of the values. And you've taken advantage of the coaching. You've taken advantage of the good parenting. And then you got over here and you took advantage of being drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. So you have a a DNA inside of you is that if you give you an, an option, you're going to use it to be a positive. And so that's a quality inside of you, man, that not many people have. And I just want to point that out to you. Now, let's talk about I the that. Man. Now, I want you to hear that, man, because a lot of people I get to talk to a lot of people. I get to uh, and I've had a lot of layers of success in my life and I've been successful with a lot of different people, actors and entrepreneurs and business owners and corporate leaders and all that. The quality that stands out to you, and I was happy to get back on the go you know, do another interview with you, was to tell you that because you're a grinder and a grinder and oftentimes doesn't appreciate what they are accomplishing. And so you said, I'm really proud of the foundation. No, brother, I'm proud of the foundation because you've taken time to give back. But also, you are employing people. You're paying taxes. You're being a functional person that this country often says about people of color don't do. So I'm proud of you, man.
1: Thank you, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> now, let's talk about this foundation. <laughs> All right. Well, How did it start and why? Man, it's actually the foundation is something that I've been wanting to do. For a long time. When I when I played, I battled with starting my own foundational partnering with somebody. So when I was a player, I partnered with Big Brothers, Big Sisters. But now that I'm, you know, i have done, um, I still had that urge just to wanna just empower people to just know that, man, you really can do anything you set your mind to. Just, there's no limits, hence the name, Zero Limitations Foundation. A lot of times, people may lack an example, they may not have a drive, and you might can say or show somebody that one thing that can spark them into greatness.
3: All right and, uh, I, and
1: and that's really that's really what I believe. I tell my friends all the time. Sometimes they think I'm preaching at them, but I really just truly believe you can do anything. You can do anything. You set your mind to. Right. But some sometimes people just need. They may need that one thing. That little bit of help. Right. So uh, you no. Know, we 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 started with a, a food giveaway around the holiday time. Um. You know, because of COVID and people. You know, just you know, there's food insecurity. But as we move forward, you know, we're gonna be really working towards programming uh, scholarships. Uh, mentorship programs and just and I'm really passionate about just developing people but mm-hmm. I, I just I just feel like everyone can do their best and there's a place for everybody in this world to be successful contrary to popular
3: belief and with that being said zero limitation that's a powerful yes. term how did you come up with that?
1: you know actually I named it Lawrence Seabury Jr if I <laughs> he
6: told
1: me Man, you need you need something else you know something catchy so you know, it took me a few days to uh, to come up with it Right and I, I'm and at first I was thinking no limits. He's like, man, you can't use that. Master right. P might come after you. <laughs> oh, he will so, come after you. Yeah, Master P might, will come after see. you. He said, Master P might come after you. So zero limitations foundation. Once once I said it the first time, that was it. And it, right. it. uh, that was it. That's how I came up with it.
3: Okay, cool. Now that's awesome. Now, how does one become a part of it? Is it is it the age group that you're dealing with, or is it the annual event? Is a summer event? What exactly comes out of the your foundation?
1: So right now, we're going to keep everybody updated on programming. So right now, the first thing we have going on, we partner with a high school um, where we're going to actually be, I'm actually going to be giving scholarships to uh, okay. some of the students who perform well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have aspirations to go to college. we're going to help, we're going to help quell some of their financial needs. Uh, mm-hmm. Eventually, one day, I want to get to the point where I can pay someone's entire scholarship. But we're not there yet. We're working there. But we're going to start with these scholarships first. And we're going to start uh, some mentoring programs uh, throughout the summer. So just keep, um, you, can, you can visit us at ZeroLimitation.org, mm-hmm. and uh, you can sign up and put your email in. You can also donate there, and we'll keep everybody abreast on the programming that we have coming up.
3: Okay. Uh, you're, you're a planner, and you're a goal setter. You will get there. I know that about you. Now you're playing football, you are tackling people, you got the you got that little spin that you came up with. Tell us about that, that little that little spin that you came up with.
1: Did you was it in you college or you developing it in you the You know what? You uh-huh. wanna know what I actually I have us have a little football conversation. So like uh-huh. my head coach at the time, Mike uh-huh. London, um, he's like, Man, the scouts are looking, they know you fast, they know they know you you're trying to get around the head, but you need a counter move. So I'm like, Damn, I'm sitting there thinking, what can I work on? <laughs> but at the time you know, one of my, well, two of my favorite rushers at the time. Actually, I got to play with one of them, was Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis. Everyone knows if you watch Indianapolis Coach, you, now. Know, the, the you know those two guys had this. I, I was in college at the time, so I was like, "Yeah, maybe I can do that." Uh-huh. So one day of practice, I just, I just tried and it worked. And after that, it just <laughs> that's that's the move I went to when I was in school. Well, you know, you know, some you make me
3: sick, Lauren. You you so wow. you don't you don't tell the truth about how talented you are. Well, you know, I was just in practice and I just I, did the really, But that's really how it happened. Okay, like, okay. But like, you were the fastest <laughs> defensive end and combine. Okay, you know, you 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 just can't do that. I'm telling you something. It's a whole lot of people wish they could just do a spin move and go to a quarterback. Hey, or stop a running back. So you, are, we, we gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a relationship. Because what I'm going to get yeah. you to start doing, man, is
1: it's all right, <laughs> right to be prime time. It's all right. You know, you what know, you know, they, you know they say church favor ain't fair. So I guess I, I thank God for that. <laughs> <I guess. laughs>
3: so yeah. so so you got you got the moves. You know, you're a man, you're a young man in uh, Atlanta. You know, Atlanta's is a, a great capital, a city for uh, African-American men and women. When did you make the decision, man? Like you said, you thought the process. You knew you weren't gonna play, it, but the business that you're doing now—how did that
1: come about? Actually, it, it started in COVID. Um, prior, you know, before I got out of the league, I was already starting to invest in some real estate, actually right. flipping some properties uh, back in Maryland, where, I, where I'm from. And uh, you know, I had a deal go south. I was gonna do my first project here in Southwest Atlanta, and mm-hmm. you know where everything shut shut down like you know about basically about a calendar year from from today. Mm-hmm. You know, the real estate market's doing well now, but everyone was not everyone was certain how things would go. So a lot of banks were pulling funding. Mm-hmm. the bank I was dealing with, they pulled a funding, they pulled a fund on the funding on a new construction project I had. Mm-hmm. So I will say I kind of had my back against the wall, but I just knew that I had to do something essential that if something catastrophic was to happen again, I'd be in an essential industry and I can continue to make money. And you know, prior to that, I had spoken to a college teammate who had just jumped into the transportation industry maybe about a year ago. Right. And I just met well, she's now a good friend of mine, uh, probably about a month before. And I took the information that they both gave me, I put it together, and I started Clipper logistics. And man, it's been it's been probably the biggest blessing of my life. Like you said, I've been able to employ people. I just, I just we grow to the point, I just hired an assistant. Um, I've been able to give black people jobs and Man, I can't say enough man. I just it's been the best thing that happened to me. And it's a scalable business. I'm still be able to provide opportunity. So it's just a win-win all the way around. Okay, I got, again, Clipper Logistics. Where did that come from? Again, I always have trouble <laughs> coming up with names. I just I, I didn't want to use my name. It's like it's typical and I kind of want to detach myself from the business a little bit. Uh-huh. But the Clippers, Clippers is actually my high school mascot. My okay. high school, we were the Oxen Hill Clippers. Okay. So I said Clipper Logistics and it just, it just went. So I, w- I went with it. Okay. I cool. always fall, I always fall into the names of the clubs. <laughs> <laughs> it's never a plan. You know, fall you know you're about to get beat up by Master P.
3: Okay. Then you went back to your it. high school, got and stole the Clippers.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's now, now, second generation, that's, that's another one of your business, Correct. Yeah, that's that's the uh, LLC I run. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my real estate projects too. That was pretty simple. Um, right. My parents, uh, you know, they probably the first people in our family to kind of start, uh, you know, owning properties. Right. And uh, I, I came after them. So second generation development. That, that one was pr- that one was pretty easy. I knew the name of that one before uh, before I got started. I so it didn't take me long to figure th- that one. There's
3: truly the name about you because you're second generation. Right, I love it. I love it, Lawrence. Man, you—you, you, I, 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 you're humble. You're absolutely correct about that. You're talented. You won't don't want to admit that. You're very smart. Somehow you don't want to admit that. And guess what? You're special, and somehow you don't want to admit that. But all those things I just said, man, makes you an incredible brand. And please, man, start telling people about that, man, in your social media posts, and let everybody understand how you're shining in this pandemic times in african-american male there's a doing it and paying taxes out here making a difference in this country not only for your life but people that you don't know and i think that's the blessing that you are
1: i appreciate it i really do those uh, kind words
3: hey brother look here man i had to get back on with you man because you know uh, <laughs> the, the, the thing about you lawrence is that man um you know when i meet people like you man i, I it's a blessing to me to be able to have this conversation. But the gifts that I had that God gave me was to be able to motivate people and also tell the truth. And so when I talk to you about your gifts and talk to you about what you're doing, I'm just asking you to take one more step and that next step is about you. And when you start telling your story, and that's what we're doing today, that you say, hey man, I'm going, back. I'm in the way back machine. You got me going way back to 2008. Yeah. Because man, you have a career that's worth telling. You, you've transitioned into a, uh, an academia person, an ath- uh, an athlete. Now you're a businessman, you're a philanthropist. That's a lot of powerful titles. That's a lot of powerful titles that you
1: own. Oh, I sometimes I really and I got to be better at this. I get caught up in like you said, the grind and trying to build something, You know, mm-hmm. to, you know, really leave. You know, after I'm gone, right? And sometimes I'm guilty of not cherishing the moment. Like I'm guilty. I know I've been told that. There you go. And I, I really, honestly, I was just sitting back a couple days ago really thinking, having this exact same conversation uh, with a friend of mine. And sometimes I just, I just, I get so caught up. I just don't, I got to do better. I, got, I really got to do better. I know. Thank you. Me. Thank so, you. Uh, appreciate, I appreciate G- you giving me uh, uh, the kick the, the butt push, and The push, the
3: push, man. The push, you know. <laughs> oh, look, look, hey, hey, Lawrence, call me your life coach. I mean, like, you had head, right. head coaches, assistant coaches. Rashawn McDonald's your life coach. So you, ever, no, you ever, I mean, go, hey, man, I got to call my boy Rashawn. And run this idea by him. I'm going to tell you, go ahead and do it. Because anything you put your mind to, man, you're going to be successful at it. And that's the part of your genius. And I'm going to put the word genius on you because layers of success are not accidental in your life. And but, you know, you know, it, it's interesting how some people who have less will scream like they got more. Well, you have more and you don't say anything by how you're accomplishing it and I want you to go to the front of the line with that story is that all right
1: oh we're gonna get it done we're gonna wrap we're gonna after we get finished all right dad. your life coach
3: just spoke to you okay <laughs> <All right. laughs> I want to thank you Lauren for coming on the show man telling me about your life talking about your your, your career talking about being a, an athlete who made the transition from college to the NFL to a businessman to a philanthropy thank you for coming on money Make conversations I yeah, appreciate it. you for having me. Cool. If you want to hear more Money Making conversation interviews, please go to moneymakingconversations.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host.
0: In this season of giving, Kohl's has gifts for all your loved ones. For those who like to keep it cozy, find fleeces, sweaters, loungewear, blankets, and throws. Or support minority-owned or founded brands by giving gifts from Human Nation and Shea Moisture. And in the spirit of giving, Kohl's Cares is donating $8 million to local nonprofits nationwide. Give with all your heart this season with great gifts from Kohl's or Kohl's.com.
3: Help Jews in Poverty at helpjewsnow.org. Your $25 gift today will help provide a life-saving food box to Jews in need. Be a blessing right now. Visit helpjewsnow.org. That's helpjewsnow.org.
2: The Black Effect Presents features honest conversations and exclusive interviews, a space for artists, everyday people and listeners to amplify, elevate and empower black voices with great conversations. Make sure to listen
1: to the Black Effect Presents podcast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.